Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and hey, we're helping you turn cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies, my friend, to help you get out there and get some stuff done for King Jesus. Hallelujah. And uh, we're so honored that you are participating with us. Uh, Pretty sure we're on just about every major podcast platform there is. Of course, we're on uh, YouTube. You can watch us there and Facebook. Um, Our videos are over there as well. And uh, if you know of a platform that's your favorite, we're not on there, let us know and we'll see to it about getting on there. Praise the Lord. So you can share uh, and you know, send invites or whatever, or encourage your friends to tune in. We would appreciate that. We're believing God. You can join us. This podcast gets to the right people at the right time. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm so honored to be doing it. Hey, let me uh, invite you to participate in the project that we've got going on um, on our property here. We have a facility that the Lord said we could put three studios in. So we're calling this project the Studio Project. And of the three sets, we're going to have an expanded podcast. If you're watching me now, you can kind of see the set that we work with here. Uh, but over there in that other building, we'll be able to do some more things with it. The uh, One of the other sets will be like a, um, like a headshot similar to this main view that you're seeing now. But uh, the format will be more of a university base. We want to take people from like the um, milk of the word all the way up to the meat of the word. So help people that are just getting started and also those that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, more of a like a university, more educational type uh, set. And then lastly, the third set, the largest of the, of the three sets, will be like a sit down interview style. We'll have like a couch and chair, a couple chairs, you know, that kind of feel and flow. A little more casual maybe, but we'll have guests on and be able to talk about a spiritual thing. So if you want to participate with that, we say thank you in advance. Several ways that you can do that. You can go to our website, gracecitychurch.tv. That's gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give and follow the instructions there. There's a drop down menu, select the studio project. All right, let's get into the podcast today. And uh, I want to title this one, The Battle for Sound Doctrine. The Battle for Sound Doctrine doctrine. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Titus chapter 1. We'll start here in the book of Titus. And, uh, you know, it's important that we have good balance. You know, my spiritual father, Kenneth E. Hagin, uh, he said one time that the Lord told him to start teaching on faith. But at that time, there was kind of a, a deficiency on the scriptural, um, um, let's see, what, what am I trying to think of? P, uh, people's concept or their understanding of what the Bible said about faith. There was kind of a deficiency in that in the body of Christ. A lot of people had this idea of, you know, if it be thy will, most people didn't really know what God's will was, and they didn't know that they could release faith in his already stated promises. And so the Lord had him teach it. That was one of his primary objectives was to teach faith. There were some other things, but that was one of the primary ones. And the Lord told him one time that because of that deficiency, that he needed to really kind of uh, hit the subject in a certain way in order to pull some of the ones far on the opposite side out of the ditch and then get them righted and centered. And uh, 
But the Lord cautioned him and said that, even though I want you to teach faith, that once the body of Christ has been balanced on the issue, if you continue to persist in an extreme or an overemphasis on this, it'll create another imbalance on that other side. And so the Lord was just warning him as I'm warning myself and you and anybody else who's listening now that you can take a truth of scripture and you can drive it off into over-exaggeration or exaggeration and over-emphasis. And if you take a truth and you take it over into over-emphasis or exaggeration, that truth can become an error. Everything's got to be rightly divided. Everything's got to fit within a harmony of scripture. You've probably heard this, let two or three confirm a thing. You know, you you can just take, you know, you can do a flop and stop and take one verse and you can force fit a lot of things into uh, you know, a passage or an idea or concept that hasn't been properly divided or harmonized with other scriptures. You can take one verse and preach a concept off of it, but other scriptures will support scriptures. You know, for something to be biblical, you need to have Bible for it. For something to be scriptural, you need to have plenty of scriptures to support the idea or the principle or the concept. And so we want to have balance nothing wrong with balance. You know, used to, I uh, would think that balance was um, kind of a negative thing, you know, that it was uh, withholding or trying to keep us from having fun or exploring or whatever, but good parameters and good boundaries, having good balance is healthy. Hallelujah, somebody. All right, so let's go to Titus. And if you're in Titus chapter one, look at this in verse four. Here, Paul, he's writing uh, uh, his uh, student here, his protege, uh, a true son in the faith is what he calls him. He says to Titus, a true son in our common faith. Now that's very interesting here. Titus was a, um, a Gentile. Uh, he was, uh, uncircumcised, but he had received the gospel, uh, that Paul had delivered to him. Paul delivered it to Titus and to others. And here he had received it. And here Paul's calling him a true son in the faith. Now go down to verse five. He's saying, for this reason, I left you behind in Crete that you may set right what was defective and finish what was left undone and that you might appoint elders and set them over the churches or the assemblies in every city as I have directed you. Now this is very interesting here. Paul's writing the Titus and they saying, hey, look, there's a lot of believers around here. You know, Paul had already done a lot of work in that area. And uh, there was a lot of believers, a lot of people who had come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, a lot of people who had been born again, uh, a lot of people who had received that gospel that Paul was ministering to them. But they needed to be instructed in some of the basics and the foundations. So Paul is sending Titus in there and he's basically saying, go and remind these people of these things and see to it that they develop them. Now, the book of Titus is what you and I may uh, understand is just some basic, good, solid doctrine. Doctrine is not a bad word. It is a codification. It is principles that have been laid out in a practicable format. (coughs) Excuse me. And Paul is sending Titus in there and he says, look, these people are excited just like you and I were when we were born again, but just because we're excited doesn't mean we know anything. And so we may have come to the knowledge of him, but we may not know a whole lot of his ways. 
And so Titus is being sent in there, and he says, I want you to instruct these people in the ways of God, see to it that they develop in them, and uh, set right anything that needs to be adjusted in their life. So we have this later uh, letter, excuse me, and it is basically a summary of the connection between good sound doctrine, moral character, godliness, and righteous lifestyle. Again, the book of Titus, or the letter as you and I have it now, uh, when we've examined it, when we've looked over it, we could, we could say that the summary of this letter of what Paul was encouraging Titus is to remind the people that good character, godly living, righteous lifestyles are connected to good, sound doctrine, good, sound principles, practicable principles, things that Jesus has re- revealed to you that if you'll take to heart and practice them, they will develop godly good and righteous living in your life. Hallelujah. Now, it's very interesting today that we're seeing a lot of pushback on the authority of the scriptures. And here Titus, for example, was sent in there to help reinforce good sound doctrine. You know, Paul came in with this initial uh, gospel. Then he sends Titus in there, just just like he encouraged Timothy even, uh, to study to show himself approved unto God. But a workman who would be able to take doctrine and instruct people, correct them, uh, reprove them, uh, to furnish them, strengthen them, build them up, that they would be a worker ready to be about the Father's business. Here, he's sending Titus in to do the same thing. But we have a lot of pushback on the authorities of the Scriptures in our day, specifically a lot of pushback on the doctrines, again, the codifications of the principles or the Uh, principles that have been laid out in practicable format. For example, over the last few years, um, there's a very famous minister, and I'm going to leave him anonymous at this point, uh, but you'd probably uh, either know him, uh, you may even be involved in their particular denomination or group, or you may have heard of him. Uh, If you studied any biblical leadership materials, you've probably covered a lot of his stuff. But this particular... uh, minister has come under quite a bit of scrutiny over the last several years for remarks that he's been making on his position on the Bible. And this particular uh, man, he said this, he said, it's time to stop appealing to the authority and inerrancy of the scriptures, even within the church, because America is now a post-Christian society. Now, that's a very interesting statement. Because what you and I have is this canon of scriptures that people have actually given their life for for you and I to have. You know, if you know anything about the period of time in history known as the Dark Ages, you know that we entered into those ages because the Bible was locked away. Um, The average man and woman did not have access to the Bible. That period of time is called the Dark Ages, and it wasn't until people started making copies of the Bible, translating it in certain languages, making copies, uh, the printing press making it readily available. It wasn't until then, until everybody started to get a copy of the Bible for themselves, that we came out of that dark age period. You know, people were being told what the Bible said, but that was at the discretion of whoever was doing the telling. The average believer did not have the tool in their hand to be able to search the Scripture for themselves and to find out if what was being ministered to them was actually 
the truth. Uh, there was another gentleman that is associated with the minister that I just mentioned, and he was being interviewed, and he was asked directly if he believed that the Bible was the infallible and the inerrant word of God. This particular man, this minister, he replied to the interviewer. He said, quote, no, I don't. He went on to say that he felt as though some in his denomination had elevated or given more prominence to the Bible than to Jesus. The interviewer asked him, well, tell me how any of us can know anything authoritative about Jesus outside of the Bible. The man replied, by experience. The interviewer responded, uh, experience? And by what standard shall we measure the reality or truth of one's experience without a Bible that does not err and is authoritative in everything? How can we tell whether our experience is from God or the devil? Are we to believe our experience can never lead us astray? That our experiences will never lead us to a counterfeit Christ? Now, that's a very interesting um, interview. And this is why I want to do this podcast today, because these are the days in which you and I are living in, friends. Uh, there is experience being elevated in many situations above the Word of God. We can say it like this, that the Word of God is actually being diminished slightly. It's not that people are outright saying, don't read your Bible anymore. But the reading of the Scriptures doesn't carry the same kind of confidence in its authority, in its ability to be the last word on any situation that you and I are facing, or in its ability to help us discern or rightly divide what is the truth. It's kind of being pushed aside a little bit in our day. And as this guy, uh, this particular minister that was being interviewed, uh, this is common. What we're seeing now is people are elevating experiences over the written word. Now, I believe in experiences. We are not cessationists in any way. We are continuationists as far as the technical term uh, uh, goes. We believe in an ongoing demonstration of Holy Spirit. We believe in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, for example, the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we believe in 1 Corinthians 14 where we're admonished to prophesy. Uh, we believe in prophecy. Uh, we, we believe in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, in the offices, in the gifts given to the church. Uh, we believe that healing uh, is still taking place. Miracles happen. Signs and wonders actually still accompany the word to confirm the word that's preached. We believe that. Uh, we believe in the ministry of angels. Uh, we, we, we believe in, in other um, uh, uh, demonstrations. Um, let me see. How do I word this? We believe that there is a spirit realm and that there are uh, uh, godly and right activities that have to do with the spiritual dimension under the leading of, of the Holy Spirit, of course. We also believe that there is a working in the Spirit that is strictly demonic as well, uh, that you can encounter demons. Uh, there are people that are able to do things. There are, um, let me see, I'm trying to think of the words here. There are... Uh, demonstrations in the spirit that are both good and bad. All right. Um, so I say all that to say that we believe 
that there is spiritual experiences, supernatural encounters, etc. But what I'm saying is people are elevating those as sole proof. Uh, maybe something told them something. Maybe they think an angel's uh, revealed something to them or you know, some being or creature or whatever talked to them or did something. And some people are elevating those experiences. Maybe they're elevating things they heard, impressions that they had, apparitions. You know, they're hearing voices or whatever. Maybe they're elevating those things above the written word because those experiences are so vivid. Uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, can it be more than 3D? You know, can it be 4D? I mean, people are, these experiences are extremely vivid. They're, they are, are powerful in the generic sense of that word. They are uh, awesome in the generic sense of that word. But, uh, but if, they're, if those experiences are the only thing in which we're saying like, hey, you know, I saw this thing, I heard this thing, this, this you know, uh, beam of light, this ball of light, this angelic looking you know, being spoke this to me. And so it is the truth. You know, but if we're elevating those experiences over, over the written word, then no wonder that a lot of people are in the doctrinal mess that they're in today, or they're confused. Now, uh, again, I believe that, you know, if somebody said that they saw Sasquatch, I believe them. Now, I don't believe that God created an animal uh, that is uh, after the likeness of this, you know, quote-unquote Sasquatch being. I think it's a demon spirit that can shapeshift to look like anything it wants. But I think people are really seeing things. You know, when someone says, you know, there was this creature in, in the backyard, you know, roaming around in the night. I don't think they're lying. But the question is, what are they experiencing? And if one of these encounters happened to talk to them and say something to them, what tooling do we have to be able to discern, to be able to go back and say, hey, look, we can divide this out. We have a record of who Jesus is and the truth of the gospel, for example, that he delivered to us. If people are diminishing the written word then we're stripping away a lar a, a a massive part of our means to discern what the truth is. Listen, this is the battle that we are facing right now, and it's at a high level of warfare. This is actually probably also one of the most divisive issues of our time. Satan is actively seducing a growing number of Christians into separating the Holy Ghost and the Bible by pitting them against one another. And, and what I mean by Holy Ghost, we're not talking about, we are talking about the true Holy Spirit because uh, some people are saying that you could put the Bible aside and hear Holy Spirit more clear. I don't believe that. I think the two work hand in hand. But what I'm saying is not only is uh, Satan's trying to encourage believers to pit Holy Spirit and the Bible against one another, we also see a diminishing of the scriptures and a heightened uh, reality of spiritual encounters taking place both outside of the church, inside of the church. But if you already have a diminished view of the Bible and you elevate encounters or voices or experiences or, or angelic this and that or you know you uh, ball of light, shaft of light or whatever, if you're elevating that and you don't uh, have confidence that the Bible will help you sort through that, I'm saying this is the problem that we have in the church today is why so many people are confused. Now, here's my personal beliefs about something, that we are living in a spiritually saturated moment of time, meaning, like it or not, uh, spiritual experiences, uh, the veil, so to speak, that has kept the spiritual dimension 
mostly separated from the natural one. I believe that veil is increasingly thinning. Uh, maybe it has been thin for some time, quote, thin for some time. I think people's reality of that spiritual realm is that knowledge is growing. Like people are more aware of it now than they ever have been before. And I don't think it's necessarily due to uh, any one individual's actions or compliments, uh, accomplishments. I don't think it has to do with a reward per se. I think it has to do with the time in which we live. It's just a spiritually saturated moment. There's a maturity of all things, both in the church and the spirits of the age, the God of this world, the darkness. Second um, Timothy chapter three talks about that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. I think it has a double meaning that their numbers are increasing. They're recruiting more people to the, the dark side, say, but also their abilities have come into a greater outworking. And we're seeing demonstrations of that in uh, the kingdom of darkness, but also in the church, there is a knowledge of how things work in the spirit. And it's a, 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 um, a significant part of our work today that you and I, born again believers, would have an increase in the spirit of seeing and knowing. Our understanding, our spiritual recognition of that dimension is becoming more vivid, friends. Again, not because anything you and I did special, but because it's part of our work. It's part of the time in which we're living in. So this heightens, um, it should heighten, our uh, awareness that seduction, deception, is um, a uh, real temptation. Um, you know, it, it always has been. But I'm saying for the average person now, because of this spiritual dimension is becoming more visible, say, more, even more tangible to some extent, then I think that there's a heightened sense of awareness that we're not getting seduced because you're going to see things, you're going to experience things that you probably never have before. All right, so the Bible's preparing us. Uh, he's equipped us for this time, and if we'll be aware and watchful, then we'll be able to navigate it. But, like, you know, if you go back into, like, First John, he says, listen, you got to test everything. I mean, several places in the Bible, Thessalonians, John, several places, the idea, the concept here is you have to test and prove and hold the fast, uh, hold fast to that which is right, <clears throat> that which is pure, that which is true, reject, cast away anything that is false or counterfeit. And he said, beloved little children, he said, you got to test the spirits because not every spirit is from God. You've got to be able to develop yourself on the word, know the word, know him, know the truth, have that word abiding in you that you might not sin have that word abiding in you that you would be able to use that word in order to distinguish between the spirit of error and the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. All right, now look at this. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. The Bible not only predicted this deception, it exposed the motive behind it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says, For the time will come where people will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Now, friends, this is very important here. Uh, even good people are getting wrapped up into this. Even good people, uh, myself included, I have interest uh, 
in certain ideas or concepts or topics. There are things that interest me. Um, you know, if you want to talk about the spiritual dimension, there are things that the Bible mentions, uh, you know, that can pique an interest. Uh, there are things that maybe the Lord's dealing with you and I on that uh, we have a particular area of focus in, we're studying, we're learning about. Um, and, and so on any one of those thoughts or ideas, any one of those topics, it would be really easy for us to heap up a whole bunch of teachers that seem to have answers in those areas just to scratch an itch. The caution here is that we don't heap up a, a whole bunch of teachers that may deliver a few uh, morsels of truth, but yet mix a whole bunch of error with it. This is the admonition. We're being told to be watchful here. Now, uh, this verse also is exposing something here, that people will not endure sound doctrine. Well, what is it then that they can't endure? You know, well, you say, well, it's sound doctrine. Some people have tried to mystify that. Well, it's not mystical at all. It They will not be able to endure the Bible. And what, what we got to be watchful is for sure not heaping up a whole bunch of teachers that don't take us back to the scriptures, that only tell us what we want to hear, or yet fill our minds full of fables. We don't want that. Now, you've heard this saying before, I'm sure, but it goes like this. If you have all word, we're talking about all Bible and no spirit, you'll dry up. But if all you have is spirit and no word, you'll blow up. But if you put the two together, spirit and word, you'll grow up. Now, listen, for our intents and purposes today, I'm going to just stay on the side talking about the word portion. We're all about the things of the spirit. Again, I mentioned that to you. We're, we're, we're open to that. We're open to what the Bible has to say about that. We're open to hearing about um, possibilities of operations in the spirit realm, all right? But not at the expense of the word. And the danger that most people are finding themselves in is not getting sucked over to just generic Bible study, although many uh, resist anything spiritual, okay? So, I mean, that's something to talk about. But if you've been following my, my podcast or our ministry for any length of time, I don't think that's necessarily your, your problem. The caution that you and I would need is to not get so far over into spiritual things that we deviate away from the word as a bedrock foundation and a tool uh, used to discern, to judge, and to critique experiences over on a spiritual plane. Now, listen. If you have had spiritual experiences, encounters, and the more you move in a spiritual operation, the more, listen, the more you need to stay connected with and in the word. You cannot, I, let me repeat, do not, you must not diminish or pull away from time in the word. Uh, if you're uh, having spiritual things, you need to go back to the word even more. You need to make sure you double up, triple up, to the degree that you're moving in spiritual things, you need to make sure that you have equal or greater measure, come on, of the word coming into you. Because again, that word is a critique. It is a judge. It will separate. It will parse. It will examine. And it will separate between things that are just of the soul, of the flesh, or things that are of the spirit. Now, here is an example uh, of an extremely prevalent statement 
that uh, you'll hear in various ways, but let me read this particular phrasing of it and you can let me know if you've ever heard it, but it goes something like this. Why do we trust a book that the early church didn't have more than the spirit that they did have? Now, on the onset, that statement seems like it's got a lot of truth in it, but there is some danger associated with that statement. Now, these same people say that, you know, we're not supposed to worship a book. That's, that's what that pastor was saying that was being interviewed. He felt like people were elevating the Bible even above Jesus. And so he diminished the Bible so that he could have experiences. And in his mind and in the minds of a lot of people, experience is more authoritative. And that's what I'm saying. I want to caution. While experiences with the uh, true holy angels, say, experiences with Jesus, some some people have seen him. Uh, in fact, that was a mark of a true apostle. Um, people have had spiritual encounters. Uh, one of my friends was dead for an hour and 45 minutes. Um, uh, all of his organs shut down. Uh, the doctor said that he was really dead, really, really dead. Uh, and uh, he went to heaven and the Lord sent him back. He had a dramatic experience. People have had experiences, spiritual experiences. That dimension is real. In fact, the Lord told Job in the book of Job that that realm actually governs this realm. And we know that there are evil forces behind the scenes that are influencing men to do evil. And then we know that obviously there is our heavenly father and the Lord Jesus uh, that is influencing men unto righteousness, uh, leading them unto righteousness, rescuing them, delivering them out of the kingdom of darkness. All right, so we know that that realm is real. So if you've had any kinds of experiences, that's uh, great. But, 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 but people are elevating these experiences. Um, this is the problem with false prophets. Uh, it's always been a problem with false prophets or any group that begins to elevate their inspiration above the written word. Um, we just got a couple minutes left of our podcast today. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5, and we'll close with this thought here. But again, people are saying, why do we trust a book that the early church didn't have more than the spirit that they do have? You know, and then they'll add things like, you know, we're not supposed to, uh, you know, uh, worship a book. You know, we don't worship a book and you know, we worship Jesus. Yeah. But, but, but this, this has been written for our admonition. This has been written for our training in righteousness. No, we're not worshiping the ink on paper. Uh, but this is a codification of everything that Jesus was and is. This is a practicable format. This is a guidebook for daily living. And if you diminish this, uh, you know, even, even David says, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, we don't want to diminish this. Friends, if you pull away from this uh, and just say, all right, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to have an experience. Listen, you're going to attract all kinds of flies. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're going to have to be able to sort between that which is true and that which is false. Uh, listen to this before we read First John 5. Uh, this one pastor said this. He said, I trust in the voice of the Spirit more than the Bible. He said, I trust in the voice of the Spirit more than the Bible. Listen, the danger is that what they might really be hearing, now they say it's Holy Spirit. A lot of people blame everything on Holy Spirit. Well, Holy Spirit told me to do that. 
Oh, okay. Well, uh, he gets blamed for a lot of stuff. But the danger is that what they might be hearing, this, this is a danger for me, for you, for anybody. If we pull away from the word as our guide, then the danger is the things that we might be hearing, uh, the voices that we might be hearing that we are thinking as Holy Spirit might actually be our own voice, our own reasoning, or worse, a seducing spirit. Now, most, again, most people probably, I'm talking about ministers now, most ministers probably won't directly deny the authorities, uh, the authority of, of, of the scriptures. But I know two ministers personally, uh, these guys are in completely different uh, denominations or streams as, as uh, mine, but I know these guys personally, and they have repeatedly said in various ways that receiving direct revelation from God is equal to God's word. Uh, one of these guys will say it kind of like this. He'll say that the Bible is preceding, but what Holy Spirit shows you is proceeding. And, um, you know, they, they, they add some, there's some other uh, controversial doctrines associated with that, but that's the gist of it. And they encourage, listen, if, and no, no one, okay, no, no one says get rid of your Bible. Like that's too obvious. Okay. But, but they would encourage that you spend more time listening for Holy Spirit than you do reading the word. Listen, friends, I'm saying there is not a competition between the, the two. They're not pit against one another. They work together seamlessly. First John five, let's close with this. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you for it. L listen, the Word and the Spirit agree. Now, if you go back historically, the law or the Word was given on Mount Sinai first, several thousand years ago. Then on Pentecost, the Spirit was poured out on the exact same day these events happened. Now, there, there is a reason for that. God's overwhelmingly showing us, listen, the word and the spirit agree, okay? But here's, here's, here's the thing about that, is the word came first. Even with Jesus, the word came first, then the spirit was given. Listen, friends, you've got to have an anchor of the word. You've got to give Holy Spirit something to work with. And the word is what's getting rooted and embedded in you first and the Holy Spirit will come and he'll take of that logos and turn it into rhema for you. Hallelujah, friends. Listen, we're out of time, but I hope you got something out of that. If you have any questions or concerns, of course, you can send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv. But uh, I want to encourage you, friends, stay with the word. If you are having spiritual experiences, if you're having spiritual encounters, if you're seeing things move, <laughs> And you don't know what it is. You need to test the spirits. But I'm saying, if you're having spiritual encounters, you've got to stick with the word, even more so. Now, if you are not born again, then it's probably demon spirits that are harassing you. If you're born again, then obviously you have a heavenly angel that's assigned to you. Um, but even then, if you're born again, you may be having spiritual experiences as well. But listen, we don't we don't take just the experience itself, the fact that you had an experience. You don't necessarily take that as gospel truth. Remember, Jesus warned about these people that were doing all these signs, wonders, and miracles, but he said, I never knew them. 
Some of them were even saying, Lord, Lord. Some even say, I have come in the name of Jesus. And one place in the Bible says that they were false. So listen, an experience itself, a demonstration, a miracle, something supernatural itself does not prove anything. Anybody who's elevating their authoritative position just because they're having experiences doesn't mean that their life is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. So if you are having spiritual experiences, friends, stay with the word, get back in the word. Hallelujah. If you're not having experiences, I wouldn't worry about it. Stay with the word, friends, and you'll be all right. Listen, if we can pray for you, send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv or call us 870-741-9099. We got people standing by who will join up with you and pray with you. It's our honor to partner with you in prayer. All right, friends, this has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed.